Hello and welcome to a series of very special Dublin International Film Festival podcasts. This year's festival runs from the 22nd of February to the 2nd of March and promises to be an elevated cinema experience. For this podcast, I was joined at the Festival HQ, the Digital Hub, by some of Diff's silver screen critics, Laura Cady, Mutali Kampuni, Maureen Bush and Eileen Murphy. These wonderful writers have been busy enjoying the films at this year's Dublin International Film Festival. So we're going to talk about two films in this podcast, Bye Bye Tiberius and Farewell to Hughes. Hi, my name is Eileen. I live in Glasgow. Um, I used to work in, in the Botanic Gardens and in Tipperary, so I lived a lot of the time in the country as well. Um, I loved particularly the Bye Bye Tiberius movie and um, I thought it spoke at very many levels, um, but it was a great movie, I, I loved it. Hi, I'm Lorna, I live in Inchicore, Dublin 8. Uh, my day job still is as a pharmacist, but I have a lot of creative art interests and film, which has blossomed since I came to Dublin. been a volunteer at DIFF for 10 years, and um, I got involved in Heart of Dublin last year, and now film reviews, so that's me to date. Hi, my name is Maureen. Once upon a time, I was an English teacher, but I'm new to reviewing films, and it's great to have this opportunity um, provided by DIFF to view so many and for um, Gemma to teach us how to appreciate them. I'm sure you know well, <laughs> you've been teaching people to appreciate work yes. a lot longer than I have. Not film, not film. Hello, my name is Mutale, and um, I'm very honoured and privileged to be taking part in you know this review for the Dublin International Film Festival. I have recently, it's all very new to me, I was saying that to Peggy a short while ago, it's all very new to me, but it's very interesting. I'm always, I've always been interested in, in film, um, and when I first came to Ireland I lived in Smithfield and so the lighthouse cinema was just a stone's throw away, I like this you know, kind of art house movie, so um, it seemed like a lot to have to watch and review, but it's just been so interesting and um, I've enjoyed you know, having to dissect and look at it from a different point of view, from the director's point of view, from the viewer, from the, you know, um, angle of people that will, you know, not be familiar with films. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be part of, of this panel. And we're really, um, we're really grateful to have your voices. I think the films are for the audiences. That's who they're for. And you guys got to enjoy a lot and see a lot. Um, but again, it's, your viewing is, is important and your take on it is, is really important. And we'll get into we have two really wonderful films um, that we're going to be chatting about, both documentaries. Um, let's start with Farewell to Hughes. Mutali, can you tell us a little bit about the film? Yes, so um, Farewell to Hughes is a documentary about the closure of a pub in Dublin. It was famous for its traditional music and it was famous you know, across the board with musicians and, you know, local people and visitors that came to Dublin. But it was very unassuming. You would, wouldn't would be aware that it was there. It was behind the forecourts. And people came there and, um, you know, you didn't have to book any space. People came and there was music and performances and various kinds of art. And, you know, um, so it was a landmark for over 35 years. And um, it was described as a Mecca. A Mecca is like you know, an oasis. So, unfortunately, somehow it closed its doors in 2021 for the last time. And um, so, Brendan Gleeson, who is the director of this, felt that um, he had to pay some homage because he was a frequent, you know, he's a fiddle player and, you know, used to join the musicians. And it was like a hideout for him, you know, if he wanted to get away from everything, he'd go there and spend time and chat as much as he wanted to or as little as he needed to and meet people and you know just it was a real good social club so he felt that he ought to pay some homage to it and um so he gathered you know the people in the area it's in in smithfield area so over five days in january he decided that um he would get people to probably say a farewell he gathered all the musicians and got them to talk about their you know um, memories and um, you know, their experiences and what it meant to them. Some artists there were 
there for generations. It spanned over three generations, and people said it was such a fun place. People got married there. There was breakups there. There was christenings, all sorts of things. So, um, you know, it was good to revisit it and and just you know properly give a send off. It closed, I think, because the owner had passed on, and you know the family didn't think that they should continue with it. So, um, yeah. So it tells the story of Hugh's contribution to both traditional music community in Dublin and the city as a whole. Yeah, and it's so like, and I think he really captured Dublin at different periods, and it feeds into what documentary is meant to be. You know, that's that's very well said. Okay, so um, Eileen, if we talk about the uh, technical elements, how how did it look and feel? Well, it looked dark, um, a lot of the time, and um, there were an awful lot of close-up shots on feet. So, for instance, I thought this kind of interesting way with the set dancing. Um, and that's very often how you experience set dancing in a pub. You don't get a panoramic view because of the close confines of the pub. And so very often you saw the shoulders or you show up, saw the feet. And I thought that was actually gave you a very good feel, the way the photography um, emphasised that, the, the close confines of the pub. Um, there were an awful lot of shots of inside the pub looking out on the brightness outside. Now, obviously, there was some reason for that, but it was very much emphasised throughout the movie that, or throughout the documentary, that you were in a dark place looking out onto the city, the greater city. There was lots of, um, lots of, lots of close-ups. Um, I thought some of the shots now were a bit cliched of the Liffey and of, of the bridges and the shots through the the pediment of the bridges. I uh, thought they were a bit cliched. Um, Oh yeah, there was also archive material through the movie, and I really liked that. And I liked when they went out, and there were you know the shots of the market area and talking to the people out there. And I thought that gave a great richness to the movie. The way they interspersed that there was also historical references, not just in the conversation, but also the bits about Michael Collins. And so again, it was very much a Dublin movie. Um, that was it. And of course, um, the thing was about this, the movie was all about music, so the soundtrack was the most important part of the whole thing. And again, the music was wonderful, and it was very well woven into the narrative as well. So you had great, um, both instrumental music and songs, which gave a great feel. So I think uh, the main point of the movie was the um, was the sound. And, and it was terrific, really interesting and really good to hear. I thought there was a second story in the movie that I really liked, which was about the Hughes family. And I just think, I think today in the era of the super pub, that's so impersonal. And I think the Irish pub isn't going to remain as anything that people will be bothered with. It. That's all we're left with. But I thought the very glamorous wife of the public, and I thought she was brilliant. And even, you know, the, the scenes from the golf club, because you have these people who were grinding out a living, serving, you know, working so hard from morning to night and dealing with people from all walks of life. And then they have those just the glimpses of their other life, which was quite, and I think that was typical of the traditional family pub. You know, when they were out, they spent money, they dressed well, they went to good places, the, the little bit of spare time they had. But that whole thing... I don't know if, you know, it wasn't emphasised, but I just, I love that little piece of what a, a traditional Irish publican was like, apart from the pub. I thought that was very well captured in the movie. And Vitaly captured that very well as well in your description, and I think it definitely feeds in this as a film at its core about community yeah. and sort of that change and, and the loss that's there. Um, which is which is very interesting. Tell me about the director. That's the it. director of a Farewell to Hughes is Kieran O'Money, and he is basically a very renowned Irish musician. Over the years, he has won the Young Musician of the Year around about twenty oh three. Um, he became involved with his girlfriend, then fiancé, then wife. Um, Caitlin McGavin, and the two of them are very powerful duo. As well as all his music, he has made a few 
documentaries on music um, and he was presenting an RTE programme on music as well. And then he is directing this, where he must be totally in his element, um, right with all the knowledge of Irish music. And it, seeing it played out, it looks like he's absolutely hit the nail on the head with what he has done. The people would have been knowing what they were doing as well. So it was a real meeting in the middle of um, a good film by the end. Um, he is to be talking at uh, the film festival on the 1st of March in a question and answer at the end of the showing of the film. And it will be very interesting to see what he says then. Currently, uh, there wasn't... Um, like a recording of him doing a question and answer that I could find, but I will. It 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 will be very interesting to see him when the film is actually shown. Yeah, to, to give his perspective on things yeah, as yeah. well, because it, like there's such interesting choices in it. Like I mean, even where he picks to go for the narrative. Yeah, you, you see, like it's a he's an artist in a different form, working in a different format. Yeah. He brings a different perspective, like a very authentic. Yeah, he's wor he's working in his own forte, as yeah. it were, which is quite something when you've got a director, because many directors are directors and they might be doing a film on any topic, but he knows music very much. So, and it, yeah, it's a love letter to music, and it really comes across. And and again, like his that intimacy with the performers is very powerful. Yeah, and and how he chooses to convey it is, yeah. is beautiful. Um, great. So, Maureen, can you talk to me about the narrative of the film and 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 what it meant to you? Um, I'm Irish. <laughs> Before I I really enjoyed that film. Before it, I think I had really associated. Irish music with uh, leprechauns and a bit of diddly do, um, but I I am very impressed with Brenda Gleeson. So uh, I mean, he that was I enjoyed I enjoyed watching him. He was relaxed. He was craggy in his old Irish jumper, and uh, he played the banjo and he played the fiddle as well. It it was very relaxed. I. I, 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 mean, I, I actually thought that the, the, the photography in it added to it because it, nothing lasted very long. I think the main thing about watching it was that there's such a variety of music and nothing lasted beyond, get, it didn't become boring. I thought that the close-ups of the fingers on the various instruments and on the... Uh, I, I just it was I, it was beautiful. I thought the light coming through okay outside the city was bustling away, but this was a little nest where people had had their start, uh, where people got together and from all around the country and um, magic happened, and um, it just I think it was just very sad that in a way perhaps they were hoping this apparently the pub probably shut down after COVID, couldn't cope with it. And um, it's still, it hasn't, I can't find anywhere in the planning permission in the city that it's changed yet. Perhaps that, um, Gleason is hoping that someone might restart it with the new interest in Irish music that's going on at present. But um, it really, it's, it's, it is, you felt it was a tribute to the happy time that so many people had in the pub. Yeah, and you do, and you, it captures, again, I think it goes back to the sense of community. It's it's so well realised in terms of, um, like, like the pub itself is a character, the city itself mm -hmm. is a character in the documentary. I mean, it, there's so many interwoven strands of narrative, uh, as you were saying, that, I mean, that it really sort of culminates. It's, it's a lot It's a lot softer than the, 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 the film that we're about to talk about in terms of message. I think it's it's a broad picture of descriptions. But I'm just wondering, 
how did you feel it represented um, and that? Like, I mean, did anyone have any thoughts about how Dublin appeared in the film? Yeah, I think it gave a really positive slant on Dublin. I know when the in one of the scenes, um, they were commenting on, you know, people passing outside had no idea what was going on in there, you know, in the daytime. And, you know, one of the comments was that... Um, Somebody passing outside would think, oh my God, these old men drinking in the daytime, what wasted? There's, I think a person was jogging by. And then he thought, well, maybe if I was outside, I probably would think the same, you know, if there's men drinking in the daytime, I'd think, what a bunch of time wasters. But to them, you know, sitting inside, they were thinking, who would be wasting time outside when they could be here and having a good chat with friends and had a good time? So um, that is very Dublin. The Dublin waits, I think. Um, the musicians came from everywhere. They weren't they weren't Dublin, or mainly from Dublin. Everybody said how you know they'd um, felt welcome in Dublin because of that pub, and then there was I think a mention of the cobblestone as well as you know maybe that uh, there's hope left yet because the cobblestone you know is, is one of those that is still there and um, it survived a near closure. But that was because I think it was going to be redeveloped into something else. And then there was also a comment about maybe this this pub closing it was um seamless it was time it had done what it was set what it set out to do and it was i think the the, the son of the owner that you know had passed on made that comment he said the family had decided you know to just let it shut you know on that note it had served its purpose and maybe it was time to move on to the next thing and i know these documentaries they do two very different things and this one like in many ways documents um like the, the changing of the guard dublin post-covid pre pre-covid is there anything are there any strands or anything like that that anyone was particularly drawn to or felt very strongly about i i he, um gleason managed to because he's narrating it he managed to bring between the, the combination of all the archive from the Irish traditional music which is available and the old news archive bits but um, ex- explaining that it was an early pub at one stage and it was a, where people lived all around and worked all around and the traders from the fruit market used to come in, the criminals and the barristers yeah. from the forecourt, which is just across the road, came in, and then slowly music started to happen a few nights a week, and then it became almost every night there was some sort of session going on. The, the great equaliser of, of humanity as yes. well. Um, and just in terms of um, pacing and, and story, did, I, did everyone kind of feel like, you know, it kind of moved and flowed? There was those nice chapters. Did that affect anyone? Did that help the storytelling? Or was there any technical elements maybe that that lent itself to that form? Although they made the film in five days, the year after it had closed, um, it, was st- it was still open and presumably very similar um, up until the 2020s given a bit of COVID, but the the snips that they had off the city and the Lewis trundling past, it was obviously a pub with its own soul in modern times, like seeing the musicians out in the pub and the Lewis going past the window. It brought it into modern times rather than people thinking it was made in the 1950s. And I thought that was very good, that the spirit of Hughes was still um, strong right up until it closed in this day and age, which is a, a great thing. The way it ends, um, um, they play The Piper's Lament, and then all the credits come to Dublin's Fair City, which was nice. Yeah, and they had a seagull in pale, bright sky at the end. Yeah. After all the dark shots, <laughs> it was a very bright ending. Like coming out of the pub at the end of the night. That's <laughs> exactly, yeah, the yes. metaphor you're, yes. you know, you're into that. It kept, you know, repeated that metaphor really, but it was it was the brightest shot of all animals, you know, seagull. But it it was a brilliant idea to make the film after it was gone, and it seemed to, as it were, die a peaceful death with the family finding the time was right, but to have the idea 
to make the film a year later was brilliant because its spirit lived on even if just for five days. But that, that was a lovely idea rather than the fact it was gone and you thought, mm, pity we didn't make a film. They did make a film and that will live on. Yeah, it was a tribute to the place. And the publican as well, I think. I think if this film had a tone or something underneath it, would it deal with grief and loss of, of passing on? Is Like, would anyone agree with that? Or, like, they do a testament to the publican or... And it, and, it, and, it, and it almost like a, a kind of lament back to what Dublin used to be. Yeah, perhaps. Well, I really liked... I mean, that, that was, for me... That was the best part of the movie was the bit that related to the, the family, because fam- as I said, I think family pubs are a, an endangered thing, and I just I really liked that bit. I don't know how important it was in the overall scheme of what the director was trying to achieve, whether it was incidental. I have a feeling it might have been just incidental, but it was the, as far as I was concerned, that was the bit I liked best about it and I was kind of thinking it could have been developed a bit more um, because I think you know those kind of family pubs are definitely um, a treasure a treasure and I don't think people have any idea you know even in terms of publicans who you look after people and um, all that kind of thing which was very was much trade. part of it. It was a trade. You'd go in yeah. and you'd do an internship and you'd be yeah. a professional yeah. barman. And yeah. Well, it did come through. That's the other side of it. And sometimes, you know, that's that's a strength as well. It didn't have to be forced on us, but it did. It did show through in the movie, I think. So that was really good. Definitely. And I think from, from families, families is the theme in yeah. the two films. And I think that's, yeah. a, nice, that's a nice point to um, discuss. <laughs> Bye-bye to Barry's. Yeah, it was named. It was named after the yeah. Emperor Tiberius. Yeah. Um, many back in Roman days, really, um, and so it was called Tiberias, and that was the history to the name of the town area. So I found. So that was out. it the town or the lake or what was the lake? I think it was the lake beside the lake it. Was it not the Lake of Galilee? Yeah. That's yeah, what I think and they said the, that. the town. A lot of it was destroyed and might have been rebuilt, but it was a Roman emperor was the inspiration for the name. It's um, one of the four holy cities in Israel, apparently. Pardon? One of the four holy cities. Oh. Um, so much, there's so much history in this film and it's so beautiful. Eileen, would you tell us a little bit about what happened? Well, the, 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 uh, it's a documentary film and it's made um, by Lena Sulalem. And it, re- it really relates to her mother, who's a, a, a French-based actress called Chaim. So she's the star of the movie. And it's really about family and about sisters and mothers and women. There's lots, all of the women are very strong characters. And all of the men, the uncles and the, and the father, they're all good people too. Uh, so it's a very warm um, film as far as... Uh, the relationships. So um, Chaim goes back to show her daughter where she's from. Um, she left, so it's got to do with the uh, relationships within the family. She left, and um, it says in the film, "It's never you never know how to separate from your mother." And um, so there's a lot in the movie about relationships with with mothers and sisters. Um, it's, it's all got to do with this very strong women. There's an aunt who has who was exiled for 30 years in Syria. And again, interesting how she lived her life in um, Yarmouk, which was, it says in the movie, the um, largest Palestinian refugee camp in the world. I don't know if that record still holds, unfortunately, which I thought was a scary thought. This probably isn't in the last few days the largest uh, Palestinian refugee camp any longer. Um, so um, there's lots of um, meeting up with aunts. There's lots of um, archival material from their childhood, and um, 
there's lots of reunions. Um, the movie also has lots of very um, sort of sensuous moments, I think. Um, the, the bit about going back is relating to go to, to let her daughter um, swim in the sea that she also swam in as a child. And I thought that was very, it was a beautiful metaphor. And a powerful moment of reconciliation. Yes. The daughter is the yeah. peace offering yes. in, the, in the narrative. Um, and what's interesting is when we're watching the film, there's almost like three na- layers of narrative, which is so yes. complicated. There's the, there's the, we're introduced to it through um, her daughter, who's grown up, yes. who's, who's talking to her about her life. And then her mother is almost remembering that. But even though that is the focus of the film, like yes. that is that is kind of like it's, it's set in the 90s and it's about that, right? Like that is the, the kind of heart of it. But it's so interesting how everything is set around that. Yes, it's beautiful. Um, also, I thought there was some very uh, lovely things. The aunt who was 30 years exiled in Syria and they had a, a reunion. And I thought one of the things I really liked in the, in the movie um the aunt kept smelling, uh, smelling the people who were hugging her and coming back, and so the whole concept of the, of smell, and it is such a powerful and evocative sense. Um, so I found I found it very. Uh, I thought it was a great movie. Um, family photos, family. Um, there's a bit of humour in the movie as well. There's great moments with the sisters and the mother re- um, remembering things about um, the mother's married life and things like that, which were very gentle but very um, very funny and beautiful as well. The other thing too was that throughout the movie, the political is, is very much there. So there's lovely home, um, home movie f- footage in, the mo- in it. And I thought one of the really powerful moments is at the aunt's wedding, where there's this great soundtrack and um, they all sing, they're all dancing, and at the end of the thing, they all sing this wedding song. And the wedding song is My Homeland, My Homeland, which again is very poignant given that uh, the state of affairs in relation to homeland for Palestinians today. So that was like a very old movie. Um, so there's lots of references to exile and um, fracture. And again, even things like at some point in the movie, they mention about the planes flying overhead. This is going again in the old section of the movie, the planes flying overhead, they can hear the planes nonstop. So that's something that this woman grew up with. It's, it's constant in her life uh, as a child growing up in, in that part of the world. And it's so sad how this is as timely as ever and it's so yeah. it's so um, it's so relevant now and it's so warm at its heart. I was wondering, Lorna, could you tell me a little bit about um, the narrative of the film? Right. Um, the fact that we have the Gaza Israel war now just when people are going to be seeing this it really hits home hard what a troubled land that is and has been for so long Um, and when they made the film they can't have known what was about to happen which is very powerful in its way Um, and we're learning a bit more about the history of 1948 and the troubles that happened then um, and that Britain had caused a lot of the evacuations and the ruination of the city of Tiberias which is quite something to take on board um, for people in the West Um, and the film does show family connections so well. There's been a family for four or more generations that, in spite of all the terrible things in their country, they celebrated family gatherings and weddings and funerals. And then Hyam left, which must have been quite a wrench in a family that was basically very close. But she went to Paris 
But then she was able to come back later on with her small daughter and then later again with her grown daughter, who is a film director now, and connect with the family who were still there. And you get this continuity with its terrible ups and downs through four generations of the family and the fact that basically they were still so close. And it is a very, very good film and hopefully people seeing it now in the festival will really appreciate it and take on board the fact that the country is going through another terrible period of unrest and hopefully one day there will be peace. Maureen, if you could talk to me about the technical elements of the film, like it's so beautifully rendered. It, it is, I, I found that the interweaving of the old photos, the old poems, the old news clips from way back in 1948 mm. and the home movies that were taken 1992 when the director was brought back for the first time and then a few times later um, uh, as a smaller child. I, they managed to, to, the variety came in seamlessly and it was very fluid and um, with the old all the old poet, um, poems and, and photographs explain the history and linked it to what was going on when they came back 30 years later. Well, really, they, she, um, the, the daughter has come back to try and work out why her mother had left the place um, way back when she did. And really... As part of it, I suppose, was looking for a little bit of a, a search for her own identity and understanding where this family that was so strong and and um, the memories were so important, where that where that all was. Anyway, back to the back to the filming. Um, the there's there's musically there's a, it's all done by a guy called Amin 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 Buhafa, who has been very successful, but it's, it's very unobtrusive. It's usually gentle, slightly Arabic guitar music. Occasionally, occasionally there's a little bit haunting, and it fits in very well. Um, the photography, the, the, the photography that's happening today is, is domestic. Um, it's, it, 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 nothing, it, there's a lot of domesticity going on. There's, you can hear the birds, you can hear the, the, the buses and the market. Um, the photography, it's, it's well measured. There are times when um, the mother is upset and we're given time for her to weep a little bit and wait and feel with her. Um, yeah, that pacing was really powerful. It was like when you're watching it, like the beats, the the, the, the way it's structured, those beats, like they get you. I like, I was, oh, you really are on side with them when you're watching. You, you, yes, yeah. and that that which um, Lorna was just mentioning there, <clears throat> imagining imagining this family and seeing their lives together and how important all the all all the connection was, and so easily just down the road it could be a similar family in Gaza. It's, it was a bit a bit haunting there. Um, I thought it was very well edited. I thought that it, it ended very nicely with the, the sun sinking down behind the hills in the distance there. Yeah, very, very well observed. And Natalia, can you, can you talk about the, the director and, and the, like, the body of work before this? Yes, um, the film is directed by Lena Swalem, who is also a co-writer and um, with, with two other people. So I think her strong point, what she's, you know, um, carved out for herself is doing documentaries, you know. So this is her second documentary. The first one was, you know, received quite well as well. It was um, called Les, Les Algeries, my best French. That was mine. And again, like that, it was exploring family relations and um, 
you know, immigrant life and separation of, you know, generations, journeys of exile and silence, that kind of a thing. So she's built on that then now to um, to the next one, which is, um, you know, Bye Bye Tiberius. So she has um, won quite a, a lot of accolades, I think, especially with this latest one. Um, it premiered first at the 80th Venice International Film Festival just last year, September the 3rd. And again, it was screened at the Toronto International Film Festival the same month. And um, it actually got Best Documentary Award in the London Film Festival, October last year, October 7th, which poignantly was when the war broke out and, you know, she had no idea. So she was quite, you know, um, uneasy about, you know, what way it would be portrayed or received. And she didn't know because she was engaging with audiences at the time, you know, and she just had no idea, but she was quite apprehensive. So um, later on, again, just before you know the end of the year, the uh, in the U.S. there's an organization called Women Make Movies. They actually bought all the rights to it to distribute it in the U.K. They thought it was that powerful, and you know, a story that needed to be told and heard. So um, I think she one of the comments she she makes is that um, you know she has to explore heritage and exile and womanhood, and she co- captures this really, really you know, really well. There's strength and there's fragility and there's closeness and separation. She talks of laughter and grief and celebration and mourning and dignity and dehumanization, you know, that all just, you know, is so well portrayed. Um, it was important for her to go back to her childhood because she says that, um, you know, it's, it's something that happened. She was happy as a child, um, no, you know, no matter what's going on now, she doesn't want to forget that. You know, she says her memory is treasure. You know, no matter what is happening, she has to hold on to the fact that her family was strong. You know, the matriarch and all the very strong women, and you know that that is the way that they have to be remembered. And um, she doesn't want to fade. She doesn't want them to fade out of memory and sink into oblivion in spite of everything that is happening. You know, she talks of um, she's, I think, very good with her use of words and. Um, she references the fact that, you know, there are Zionist militants destroying Palestinian homes, and um, as much as the world, the world around are watching, but nobody's doing anything. You know, so it's a repeat of tragedy after tra- tragedy. You know, the main difference is that this time, it is more um, out there because of media and information, and you know, all the technology that is you know, um, in existence today, which didn't happen before, because this is an old kind of voice, you know, uh, the atrocities began in 1948, you know, with the engagement of international forces, Israelis, so, you know, it's nothing new. Uh, it's just more terrible, on a grander scale this time, and, you know, more visible everywhere, even though nobody can really do anything, you know. Um, so she's sad about that. And you know, afraid for the future of Gaza, and um, you know, but it has to be told because it's shocking. The, re- the story has been repeated over the years, time after time, and uh, it's a cycle. She said it's a cycle, and um, it's in- it was inherited from the ancestors, and so with the people in Palestine and Gaza, the fear is constant, and um, it's as if it's you know proven. And um, it's traumatic for mom generation, for her mother, her grandmother, and it is actually, you know, traumatic again. It's triggered that trauma again, but, you know, it has to be kept going. I think this film highlights what you just said about the information is out there. Like, no one doesn't know this is happening. They're choosing to see things in a specific way that isn't truthful or, like, close, like you know, maybe turning off their phone to that thing or listening only to these news outlets because they confirm that. But, like, no one doesn't know this is happening, really. Like, you, you really have to be willfully ignorant. But I think what is so hard to watch this film and deny the humanity and how, like, how we all relate to that family structure and, you know, that the fragmented relationships, the warmth of it and how important filmmaking is as a, as, as a form. I'm, I'm just wondering, what were the sort of emotions you felt when you watched it? Um, yeah, it was, you know, I think the sense of powerlessness pervades, you know, we all, we're all human, we all see this and, you know, there but for the grace of God. 
Um, it's different from, you know, the war in the Ukraine. The people had somewhere to go and they were well received in a, you know, in a variety of settings in many European countries. But these people have nowhere to go, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Just the sheer sense of hopelessness. But they keep going, you know. And um, as much as there's condemnation of war and atrocities, but nothing really is being done. That It goes on and on. And where, where does it end? So that sense of hopelessness and powerlessness, you know, what can anybody do? Does anyone else have any sort of thoughts on, on, on their experience of the film? Or any thoughts on the experience of the film? What, um, when, what, what would I like to remember? Uh, at one stage, when they're talking about Granny way back in the earlier clips, Granny is stressing the importance of forgiveness, um, and somewhere along, your um, had felt claustrophobic, and nothing was happening. And when she was in her early twenties, and she, she felt she was suffocating, and decided she had to follow her dream, go to Europe, and become an actress, which didn't really go down too well with the family. Um, but then the question is, if she hadn't done that, what would her life have been like? And then her mother dies, and um, she needs to mourn her. And it's the, it's really a, a combination of the political and the personal, exploring the separation, the diaspora, four generations of strong women, and um, the heartbreak, and how long-term all the memories and the connection and the complexity of their lives, they get together, and, and that's lovely. Um, but it's it, it's 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 yeah up the road from Gaza, which is that. It it shows the power of a family, because I'm sure there must be other families where they sort of break up and dis- literally disperse. If somebody goes to Australia, for example, that could be, you know, how could you do that? And that they don't forgive is perhaps too strong a word but there's family without the deep connection that that family had that coped with someone going away and being able to come back and that was very powerful and good whereas there must be other families whether they're here in other countries or in Palestine where the families break up perhaps they're forced to break up but they perhaps don't try to connect after that and this film showed how you can they survived being displaced in 1948 as a a baseline but then with Hayam going away she was able to come back and be embraced into the family and there must be times when that doesn't happen in families and that was quite a message to take away from the film her daughter uh, who was born abroad came back as a child and then as an adult and the lake everything was all there for her and the relatives that she would never have seen before um, that all worked beautifully you can imagine like the pressure that the family are going through at that point where you know you, you want to you get a life for your kids you hope things are better but you're under so much stress because of you know that the, the trauma that you're going through and that your family have gone through and, and like this definitely speaks to that but in a very deft way like like i think the, the beautiful thing about this is how you're not smacked in the face with anything too statementy. It's just there in the background. The relationships. It's not like oh, there was a huge big fight. And you're you're watching reenactment. It's all about that slow burn, that slow retelling. And um, did anyone have any thoughts maybe about the, the pacing or or you know like how how the narrative was told through the four different points of view? You know, like because it is it was a complex way that it was put together. There was just a little bit of um, a different slant on it, I think, when um, I think um, 
Lena was talking about her father. Her father didn't quite make it. You know, he they left. They had to leave, and then they had to come back. And mentally, it was too much for him. You know, he kept asking about his cows and his donkey and his possessions. And you know, I think he lost. You know, just um, he lost the motivation. He lost the will. You know, and so there were aspects there like that. I think that was quite significant. Um, there is not much, the men are there in the background, but the women seem to hold everything together. I think um, so. Maybe yeah, the men didn't really fare as well as the, the women take sex, you know, a back seat and all that. But they are the pillar. They are the backbone. They you know are the constant. They kept everything flowing. So um, I don't know. It could very well be made from a man's point of view at some stage. You know, I think people have memories and they have. Um, you know, um, a wealth of information to, to tell. But I just thought that was quite significant. And, um, yeah, that was my thought on that. There were seven sisters, though. And and all the old ladies, a lot of old ladies were still alive. But they were, it was a, a really a tribute to strong women who managed all sorts of circumstances. Yeah. Actually, Lorna, you brought up some of the mixed reviews of the critics, which I do find very interesting. Because I think with this, it's not a classical three-act structure. It's not a classical, um, here's like a linear story that I'm telling you. It, it isn't like three acts, this is what happened, then this is what happened, then this is what happened. It's like, here's where we are, and here's the tendrils of how we got there. And this, like, going back to like the trauma of the history. But then also like the fractured relationship with the mother, but then also the trauma of this other history and, and how that is all interwoven in this really complex way and, and how it affected family and how each one, and I, I thought, like, God, it's such a more interesting way of hearing about things, but then when you had said that about the critics not liking it or certain critics not liking it, I'm like, are they like, you know, the guys, you know, like, I should have, you know, and there's, and there's something very tragic there where it's like, I should have been the man to protect my family or you know and I couldn't or I was supposed to provide for you and now we're homeless I wonder is there like a, like a kind of tragedy there that's quiet where women are like look this is what we have let's protect our family um, and the- yeah, I must look back into the criticisms and see I just thought I would look up what people had thought of the film um, because it was released last year as it had been out although it's new to hear and it was probably about 80-20 in favour of it being very good, but people, a few people did say, oh, that wasn't quite, you know. I think that was actually the strength of the film, because it's one thing I resist in a, in a movie is if I feel I'm being told what to think. And, you know, I think the whole strength of it was yeah. that it allowed me to feel... What I, you know, what I brought to the movie. Yeah. And it was, you know, it, it seemed to me that the, the director was content to leave it there and say, okay, you make what you can of what I'm telling you, but I'm just telling you about my family and what happened. And that's what I really liked about it because I think, and I think maybe tragically, we're bringing a, a lot more to it today than we would have six months ago. I mean, unfortunately, but it's there and it's, it's you know, I think it's just the artist's testament that we see there and it's up to the, to the person looking at it to complete the picture. And I think, you know, this idea that they should have hammered every point home, I really resist that. I hate, I hate feeling if that's what's happening in a movie, that, I'm, you know, that the, the maker has has told me exactly how I meant to feel at each point along the way. And I don't think, I, I, th- I think that's a very crude version of any kind of an art form where you, where it's all set out for you. And I think what I really liked about this was, no, it was just these complicated lives. And again, I think as we're speaking, the whole, you know, the area of which I hadn't thought as much about before today, that other people have mentioned about, you know, the men. And I mean, how how disempowering living in that environment is for a man who has a strong traditional sense of his role in the family. I mean, how utterly, you know, disempowering and horrible for a man to have to, who wants to provide. And the father came across to me as a very kind yeah. man. 
And then the and relationship good was so warm as well. Yeah. Like, they're talking yeah. about the sensuality, as you would yes. mention. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you're like, how be- like, what a beautiful rounded picture. Yes, so I think yeah. that, as I said, I'm only, and again, like, it wasn't how I don't know, and I'm only, it's only kind of coming to me now, that aspect, because of what someone else said there. But, um, you know, I, I thought that's, I think that's great about the movie, that it's so layered, that there's so many, so much more, the more you talk about it, the more you can see is in it. So I thought, that, I thought it was really good. It's the kind of movie you would want to watch again and again. Exactly, I was going to say um, that, yeah. I, don't, um, yeah. I hope to see it at yeah. Diff, and, and, but I would like to watch it um, at home again. I because I'm volunteering, I can't book for many films until I know my shift. So I don't know if I'll get to see it or I might get to sit in on it. But um, it could certainly take looking at it. Uh, say after we've all gathered today and said what we've felt about it, it's opened up new bits that all of us have said, and you can go into it. Um, from slightly different perspectives, having heard other people's opinions of it and perhaps picked up on something each one of us might have missed and then someone else has seen it and then you think, oh, yeah, and that that's going to be good as well to watch it after this discussion. Because, again, it's it's so layered and you're, you're figuring out where it's <clears> going as you're watching it that then when you watch it a second time, you get to see the form. Yeah, and the, the editing... From the technological point of view, the editing's been splendid, kind of melding in Granny's home, not even video, but uh, cine camera from heaven knows how long ago with modern filming with all the equipment uh, that you could do today. And it seamlessly goes from one to another. And um, that that's... It should get an Oscar for editing, <laughs> if nothing else. Yeah. Can I just? I forgot to say of that course. it it is it is. Um, there are subtitles for it. It's it's spoken in French and in Arabic, and the subtitles are very good. They're well done. Yeah. That it's easy. It's easy to follow, and I yeah. I kind of think as well. Like it's it's, it's you're not you're, you're sort of brought on a journey. You don't feel like you're being led anywhere either. Mm. Though you're kind of invited, and it's so yeah. intimate. Yeah. Like. The, the the level of, of a, like a level of kind of access you get to this family you know like it's not overly emotional but it's very emotional you know like it's so intimate like you do feel like someone has kind of creaked a little door and let you peek inside their yeah. soul like, with this yeah even sort of very simple things like the taking the photograph on the balcony and then somebody they all fall down it was so real and so yeah. typical of what happens with families and you know you're trying to take a family photo and they're just very simple things, but I thought they were so well done and, and truthful, and yeah. or, or, or well, well captured and put together. Yeah. But the bickering for me was the one that got it. You know, like that real affectionate slagging or yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, like but there's yeah. such warmth behind. Yeah, that. yeah. The grandmother was trying to portray how um, I don't know what way to describe it. You know, she didn't look at any man until she met her husband. And, <laughs> You know, she didn't engage in any hanky panky and that kind of. And then somebody said, "Well, how did you get your ten children?" That <laughs> they didn't just appear out of the air. <laughs> that was really great. Yeah, they were all so comfortable with each other. You know, they were able to call her out. She was, you know, but if they weren't comfortable, if they were, you know, not that well, you know, um, close. There was no closeness. They wouldn't have said that, but they felt comfortable to say that, you know. And she just, you know, she didn't give out or, you know, she just kept quiet, you know, and I don't know what she said after that. But. <laughs> Actually, it was a very good feat of directing, considering all these women were known to the, you know, they were her family. Yeah. So she, she managed that very well because she was involved herself. Mm-hmm. And I think she, she did a great job in that as well, because sometimes... You could, you know your your closeness to the to the to the characters in the in the movie could could slant it a bit either way or maybe it yeah. did but I still and she did a very good job and and I suppose she as Lena as a young woman 
was telling her what you might say elders and betters what to do in terms yeah. of the actual moving about and directing the film. Yeah. So they didn't see, nobody seemed to, it didn't come over that anybody had objected to her directing them, which is another good point in the film's favour. Because her mother is an accomplished actress in her own right. Yes. You know, she, and yeah. um, so, yeah, so it took a bit of respect then to just, you know, let her get on with it. And her father, I think, as well, is also an actor. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was a comment there of, you know, do, do, does she think that making the film brought them any closer? And she said, not closer, but more as equals, both equally strong women talking about our history and that. She made that comment. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'm just thinking about right now is with the old footage of black and white cine film and that, the family perhaps unusually for the place and the time, were obviously quite into the concept of filming each other at parties and weddings and things. And I'm sure, I mean, my family never ran around with cine films and I knew very few people who did have photographs okay, but filming perhaps globally the average family in the 1940s and 50s didn't film each other and so that family had they, they, they certainly did seem to film their own gatherings in a nice way nice and that perhaps set them up for everything that came afterwards I wonder as well, is there a little creative hunger? You know the way that's either like nurtured or natured through the generations, but the grandmother's palms and yeah. you know, like that that leaning towards that kind of abstract mm. desire to like create some some sort of thing, like you know, kind of like manifest as poetry, as literature, as as performances, you know, like that, and 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 in a way, like it's it's sort of sad that. Like it, it took a next generation for that to be pursued, you know. Like obviously, when that was there, and the fact yeah. that she valued it so much that she kept it all those years, and and that it meant so much, and that and that meaning, but that meaning has been manifesting in different ways through the women in that generation. But I, I wonder as well. Like I mean, obviously, there's such a talent there. If they had been men, would they have made it? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like would that have been encouraged a little bit more as a as a creative thing? Like it's just an interesting thought process but as, as a woman is it more a hobby yeah. like yeah. I, th- I thought that Lena and the directing managed to introduce the poems the old photos and the rest of it in a very natural way it didn't seem staged yeah. it just flowed as a, a documentary yeah the, the one family in my childhood that uh, just a family like everybody else really that, that did go in for cine filming it was a family we had met on holiday um i mean i I was a small child and the daddy of the film of the family was the one who who did the cine the cine films of everybody playing on the beach with his own family and Mm -hmm. the other families who were staying in the same hotel so that it was daddy led rather than mommy led that but other than that one lot of people you didn't see people doing cine films just like, like that family in the film obviously made nice films of each other's events and things which perhaps it was in the blood and um, they, they hi, um, well she was on the other side of the camera but then Lena is a director so perhaps it was all in there from way back. But no, it is, it's so true and about that, about that lineage. But then I think it, like the good and the bad is passed down. You know, like the fact that they were fractured for so long. The fact that that hurt manifest. Like, I think there's, there's the light of the, 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 the creativity and the warmth, but then there's that dark of, of the pain and the tragedy there um, on, on both sides. And I just like that's an interesting yeah. Plays so it, well. yeah, sorry to interrupt. It just it was told as it was. There was no sugar coating or omissions. I mean, everything was presented. You know, I think that is so important as well. Mm-hmm. Of course. And and how did the two films stack up? Because they're very different. The purpose of them is so different. Like, how did you find like watching them side by side? Because one is one is sort of almost like a postcard and lament. It's it's there, but it's not. You know, like it's not a sort of 
it's it's joyful and celebratory and then one is more like obviously it carries that deep tragedy underneath mm. it I'm just wondering how did you find watching them together I think to be honest with me the first time I started watching Bye Bye Tiberius I skipped it mm. I wasn't you know I thought it's a bit heavy going and I watched the other ones and then I came back to it when I thought you know I could um I, you know, I didn't, I hadn't read any reviews or anything about it. I just saw the start of it, and it was about, you know, nineteen forty-eight and occupation and bulldozing buildings. And I thought I can't deal with it because of what's happening now. Yeah, but um, yeah, I thought, well, I've got this list. I've got to get through it. So I wouldn't honestly be able to say I'm critic things that I haven't read, <laughs> you know, watched through and through. So yeah, so I braced myself then to watch it and um. Yeah, it's very powerful, very necessary, timely, and I think it'll be, you know, um, in future it'll be a talking point, I think, for a long time to come. Or s- s- Lina Swallow. I hope people can watch it and not avoid it because they don't want to be reminded of Gaza. Yeah. And I mean, I, I watch it and not think, no, I don't want to watch it again because if we all thought like that, nobody's going to change the situation or um, it's it I gather that it's being put forward for offered up for the Oscars by the, by Palestine which hopefully oh. keep it um, important it's important very important and actually what you were saying that it, it's tough like it is so tough and it's it's sad but it's also life affirming. Mm. Like yeah, the, I didn't. Well, that's I, mean, I didn't find it. As, I don't think I found it as depressing as everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I find the current situation like, in in Gaza profoundly depressing. But yeah. I actually found the movie quite yeah. joyful in many ways. That it's celebratory of, yeah. and, and there's a resilience in these women that has survived so that's much. Right. I mean, it is like, oh, for fuck's sake, we have to survive continuously again. But yes. there is like, look, look at what these women have overcome and look at the bonds that they build and what they've created in their lives and their family. Like it celebrates that in a way. I think it does. Um, yeah. So it's balanced. It's not yeah. like, like just if someone's listening to it, you're not going to go in and go, oh, this is like a... I kind of drain the whole way. It's it's, it's beautiful. Not at all, no. Yeah, and the yeah, other thing too is, you know, the, the narrative that allows like thousands of children to be eliminated rather than killed, which is what it is. Um, you know, I think it's just it it it's so necessary because we see these are people; they're not just statistics that yeah. have yeah. to be eliminated in order to. Um, protect the defense system of another of another group, you know. So I just, I actually, I didn't find it depressing. I, I think as having, movie, I actually, yeah, I found Ga- it beautiful. I think having Gaza down the road emphasized what real life could be like, and I think I, I you warm towards the family and realize this is, yeah, this is what should be like. But on paper, if you saw the trailer of the yeah. <laughs> of the thing, you were going, yeah, yeah. It's I, more I, like you would be going, yeah. oh my god, like, are you ready for this? But it's yeah, there's there's a nuance. There's a, like, God, I, yeah, but I would totally see it because it is like it's overwhelming. Yeah, I wonder how the family feel with everything that's happened since October with Gaza and Israel. I wonder what impact that's had on them. Um, it both in terms of emotional and whether they're affected for, ge- geographically by everything that's happened, because um, Lena and Hayam, after the film was made, they, they might not be in Palestine anymore, but um, there will be some of the family there, and you just wonder how. They are six months down the line with everything that's happened. I think they all are actually have Israeli ID, and the, one of the interesting things was when that when the family from France went over. Apparently, they point out that they had French passports. It could have been real awkward getting into Israel with a Palestinian one. Yeah, because the the, the went and visited around and Syria. Mm-hmm. She, she couldn't have a French passport. Mm. That's what allowed that. 
God, it's so, like, the politics of it. Yeah, and then there is. Well, but there's a great lineup. And how did you enjoy the other films that you watched over the festival? Um, Any highlights? Yeah, I think I liked the Winnipeg one. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. My, my Winnipeg <laughs> was crazy in many ways and um, very unusual. And I think the thing about the horses' heads, frozen. I hope those weren't real horses' heads. I I thought the Iranian director in Australia was an absolutely brilliant one, but a bit complicated and a bit long to do a review on. <laughs> uh, the child in it was ab- amazing. Um, that Which I, one I, was I, it? Hmm? It was And um, I did uh, um, Adele and, and about... Uh, I watched those uh, as well. Which I liked hugely, and I thought as a... Uh, being able to identify, okay, some of the some of the they were we- wearing dresses and clothes and things which were a bit unreal with where they were, but portraying Africa and what it was like with climate change coming, just made you think beyond the plastic, take you know, the new recycling bottles and stuff like that. Yeah, God. Um. Okay, yeah, that does look interesting, and that's part of the retrospective, is it? The, yeah. Yeah. So thank you all for uh, chatting. It's been so interesting to listen to your takes on the film, and they're two very different, interesting films. Thank you. It's great to hear. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.